everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here with I Need No Name to discuss Bayern Munich's 3-0 debacle at the hands of Bayer Leverkusen. What a mess of a match from start to finish. I mean, this thing fell apart before it even started, given the way that Tuchel selected his lineup. What a disaster. I Need No Name, how are you? What did you think briefly about what you just watched? This has to be the worst birthday ever because... Oh my god. It what can you say after a game like that? Like, as you know, I started watching Bayern Munich in 2012. So I can safely say that I have never seen a Bayern Munich team play worse on a regular basis than Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich. This may not be the worst Bayern Munich game I've ever seen, but it comes very close. This was like I cannot name a single thing that went right for us today and there is really only one person to blame which is the coach but i guess we will be getting to that yeah there were there will certainly be a lot to talk about with tuchel and why not get started with how he started this match which was a complete mess for the first time all season tuchel opted to go with a back three based formation and it ended up being a three four two one Safe to say it didn't work. So let's take a quick look at who he started. Then we can try and figure out what the hell he was thinking. Uh, Manuel Neuer, even with the knee injury, got the call to start in goal, which he should have. It was definitely a situation where you want your best goalkeeper out there. In fact, you would want all of your best players out there. Unfortunately, Tuchel did not have those same plans. The back line, which consisted of Eric Dyer, Kim Min-Jae, and Dayo Upamakano, looked hapless and lethargic. The midfield of Leon Goretzka and Alexander Pavlov, which was not up to the task. The wingbacks were Sacha Bue, total mess of a game for him. It, I, just a disaster class. Usar Mizrahi got the call at right back, and that was one of the controversial moves because Sacha Bue is more of a right back than a left back, and Mizrahi, of course, has experience playing left back. So Tuchel's decision-making even there left a lot to be desired. The attacking threesome was Jamal Musiala, who continues to underachieve. I know that's a... That is a criticism not many Bayern Munich fans want to talk about, but what has the guy done in the last year? Leroy Sané, who I thought fought his hardest, did his best, but he's cooked. Tuchel ran him into the ground, and now we're getting a player that is a shell of the one that we saw in the Hinrunda. And Harry Kane, who is supposed to be a striker, but often plays more as a defensive midfielder. I need no name. I know you probably unraveled right away. It was the worst of everything for you, a back three. Thomas Muller was on the bench. Other just incredibly difficult to comprehend decisions. What was your initial reaction when you saw this? Well, I had many initial reactions. My first one was, God, he's done it. He's found (laughs) a way to actually beat my very low expectations. Like, (laughs) I, I cannot believe how Tuchel does this. I set my bar very low for him, and he somehow manages to fail every single time. Look at this. Like, why would you go with a back three at this stage of the season? Why would you, first of all, why would you go with a back three at all? I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The back three does not work at Bayern Munich. Nagelsmann cost himself his job trying to make that garbage work, and it is never going to work. And I don't see why Tuchel decided on the eve of our biggest match of the season to bring this out. Why? And then I realized it's probably because he wants to mirror what Leverkusen were doing. Because Leverkusen also came out with a back three. And that just tells me that Tuchel, as a coach, he has made cardinal sin of 
a Bayern Munich coach. He has decided to set his team up for his opponent rather than set his team up for his own players. He's decided to play it scared and he's decided to play a team that he probably thought could keep the game close rather than a team that could have gone on the pitch to win it. Why do I say that? It's because of the way we started. We started off quite passive. We did not press. And you could see it in the way the team was shaped. It was a back five, not a back three. I cannot say anything else. It is just like when you put out, when a small team puts up a back five against Bayern Munich, we talk about it dismissively. Like, oh God, they're just parking the bus again. That's so boring. Well, this is just what Tuchel has done to us. He went out there with the tactics of a small team against Bayer Leverkusen. And, well, the scoreline just speaks for itself. I know that Tuchel defenders really like to bring up scorelines in all these discussions. So, well, just, just look at it. 3-0 right there. It's the exact same thing we've been warning about all season long. And here it is. Here is what happens when you let the guy who barely scrapes past Augsburg continue in his job with no consequences. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe when people refer to the saying, let him cook, that's what they mean, because I was not going to jump in on I need no name right there. A couple of things struck me. Uh, one, Thomas Tuchel, I don't think has realized who he is coaching after all of this time. You're 100% correct. This is Bayern Munich. Since when does Bayern adjust to anyone else? It's It's the opponents that should be adjusting to Bayern Munich. So Right away, immediate flaw. Number two, this was an extremely arrogant lineup. This reeked of, I know better than everyone. My way is the only way that works. It didn't. It was a mess. I know I've said mess like five times because there are so many other things I want to say, but mess is the most clean thing that I can say about it. Three, his lineup selection, the players. At what point? In the last two weeks, has Sacha Bue been the player you thought would play a key role against Bayer Leverkusen in this match? Has Tuchel not seen that Kim Min-Jae and Daya Upamakano are running on fumes? They're not bad players. Upamakano has been very good this season. However, he's coming off of an injury. Kim Min-Jae has been run into the ground by Tuchel. And right after he comes back from South Korea, where he has played a ton, Tuchel rolls him right back out there. It was inexplicable to bench Matthijs De Ligt today. It was inexplicable to go with Sacha Bue. It was mind-blowing, just absolutely mind-blowing to, to continue to roll out some of these players in the biggest game of the season. I mean, I like Alexander Pavlovich. I think he has talent. I think he has a future. This was not the moment to ride him. There was no riding the hot hand. And unfortunately, the moment was too big for him. And I think this is something he can rebound from. But let's be honest, Tuchel did him a big disservice by rolling him out there today. And I was very disappointed with that. I know you have a lot of ideas on the on the lineup selections there. Let's just get it out of the way. How do you leave Thomas Muller on the bench in a game like this? Well, it's it's the thing that Tuchel is telling us loud and clear what he thinks of the squad. He thinks that he's still coaching Chelsea. He thinks that we cannot compete with the best teams in the league or in the world. I know for a fact that if we were lining up against Real Madrid or Manchester City today, we would come out with this same sort of tactic. We would try and sit back and we would try and absorb pressure and maybe counterattack. But the problem is that he has no idea how to use that talent that he has at his disposal because 
if you want to play that sort of way, you need to have a player who moves the ball quickly. And who does that better than Thomas Muller? You need to have a player at the back who can organize, who can keep things tidy, who knows when to step out and make the key interception to prevent an opponent from launching a counter. Who does that better than Matthias Delict? And sometimes, sometimes you just need a guy who can keep things tidy in the middle. And that is Joshua Kimmich. Now Kimmich, maybe he wasn't ready to play because he has been out for a while. And Pavlovich, I can understand starting him in this game because let's remember, he's not that much younger than Alfonso Davies was when Davies won the treble. The problem that Pavlovich had today is that he was playing in a system that was completely new to him, completely new to the players around him, and completely outclassed by the opponents that were playing basically almost a different sport. You compare the way Bayer Leverkusen played to the way Bayern Munich played. Bayern Munich played scared not just from a tactical standpoint, but also strategic. When the ball was in our hands, when we were in possession. We did not take any risks. We did not try to move the ball forward in ways that would threaten Leverkusen. Compare that to how they did it. When Wirtz got the ball, he would immediately send it up the pitch to guys like Adley. He would often get dispossessed doing that. But did it matter to Leverkusen? No, because they came out with the mentality that they were going to take the game to Bayern and they were going to win. And that is how they got the better of us because they were taking risks and we were not. We did not take any risks until we were already 2-0 down and Tuchel made the subs to bring on Kimmich and Muller. It just, like, you know, it, it, it might fit a team, a different team like Chelsea. If he was still coaching Chelsea, I would say, okay, fine, what else can he do? But we know right. what Bayern Munich can do, right? We know what this team is capable of. And maybe people will say it's the players, they, they are not good enough, but like, how can you say that after what we just witnessed? Zabi Alonso, when he took over Leverkusen, they were in the relegation zone. And now here they are beating Bayern Munich, not just like comprehensively, but also over the course of a league season. It is just incomprehensible that people can defend Thomas Tuchel after what we've just seen. He keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And somehow he also finds time to make new ones, which is like <laughs> mind boggling. It's a special talent to have, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it, yeah. Like this late into his tenure, and he's still finding ways to make mistakes. It's just like the back three was just such an unforced error. On top of that, benching Muller, benching Delict. It's just like what was wrong with just going with the same exact setup from last week and just putting in Guerrero in place of Davies? Why was Guerrero actually not playing? I I, I forgot to ask that. Like he's a natural left back. Did Tuchel get scared? Because Guerrero is not known for his defensive prowess. He is not that great a defender. So did Tuchel get scared of that? And that's why he decided Bowie would be the guy for him? If that's the case, then he should just hand in his resignation. Because you can't be scared as a Bayern Munich coach. You just can't. It's just like, if you start with that in mind, you are not going to be able to do anything of note. It's just, he completely lost the plot on that. And, and he, yep. he coached scared, as you said. And, and those decisions that he made and the players that he passed over, there were so many options he could have went with. So many different formations that might have been close enough to that 4-2-3-1 that they've been running that maybe it could have been a little bit more seamless. 
But to do this right now in this game, which was so important to do that is it's it's not you cannot forgive that. And if you think about things, look at last season. We go back to when Tuchel took over for Nagelsmann. Now, listen, I know you're not the biggest Nagelsmann fan, but did Nagelsmann do anything like this? I mean, did he have am I is my memory off that that Nagelsmann didn't have this one moment where he threw everything that was working out the window and just tried to do things himself. Now, I know Nagelsmann um, made some very, he, listen, he made some poor decisions, but this mm-hmm. and this type of match, I just don't recall having this kind of collapse under Nagelsmann. Well, he didn't do it in this sort of way because Tuchel has generally been a lot more conservative than Nagelsmann in terms of right. experimentation. But Nagelsmann basically did this pretty much every other week. Like he would bench Muller, <laughs> he would bring out a back three, he would try some crazy new formation with some player out of position and this and that. Right. So it's like we expected up, him to yeah, be crazy. Yeah, we expected him to be crazy. And to be honest, I feel like bringing up Nagelsmann in this conversation is almost pointless because both coaches have their very significant flaws. But at the moment, I am more concerned with the guy who is in charge of the rest of Bayern Munich season, hopefully not for much longer, but there is well, no indication brought, as of yet. That's that. why I brought him up, because yeah. at this point, if you are the board and you're watching this and you knowing the move that was made last season, how do you watch this and you think to yourself, oh, this is fine. We can recover from this. Everything's headed in the right direction because that has been the theme that we've heard all season. They're not worried about Tuchel. A win is a win. Look at the point total. Well, now that's all caught up to Bayern Munich. It's caught up to Thomas Tuchel. And he does not seem to have the answers that he needs to have at this point. So now Bayern is in a tough spot. They will be chasing Leverkusen for the foreseeable future and hoping that Leverkusen has some kind of collapse, that they fail. And and that might not happen given the way that Xavi Alonso has them playing. Now, before we go any further into uh, breaking this one down, I do want to give those listeners out there a quick recap of how it shook out because if you didn't see the match you probably won't want to watch the match so this is how it all happened 18th minute Josip Stanisic getting his revenge on Tuchel the man who shipped him off to Leverkusen with a goal that Sacha Bue absolutely could have uh, done better with defending so Bayern was in an early hole Stanisic did not celebrate the goal but that must have felt awesome for him in the 50th minute, actually, we got the halftime. It was 1-0. And you felt like Bayern Munich at this point was struggling. They they were not playing well. And honestly, like I didn't have much hope that they were going to be able to mount a comeback. And just five minutes into the second half, Alex Grimaldo uh, took an assist from Nathan Tella. And it's 2-0. And all of a sudden, the wheels came off. We started to see Tuchel panic, went to his bench, brought in Kimmich and Thomas Muller for Pavlovich and Dio Upamakano. 71st minute, we saw him go to Matisse Tell over Leon Goretzka. Tell, I'm sure he was hoping, would bring some kind of spark into the match, but there was nothing saving this one. In the 81st minute, we saw Eric Maxim Chupomoting come in for Jamal Musiala. Rafael Guerrero came in for Sacha Bue, who, again, just a disaster class of a game for Sacha Bue. And I, I don't know how you roll him back out there at this point. I think he needs a lot more time on the training ground. In extra time, uh, Manuel Neuer came up to try and contribute on a corner. That, of course, left the net empty. And Jeremy Frimpong took the ball pretty much three-quarters of the way down the field, took a long-range shot, went in 3-0. That's how it ended. I need no name. 
you've said a lot now. You've given your opinion on Tuchel. You have broken down the lineup. You've given us your thoughts in the formation. What else can you say about this one? I mean, where does the team go from here? Can they rebound under Tuchel, or is this a situation where you think the board needs to look very, very closely at making a move to try and save the season? Well, you see, I'm very concerned because I think that the board might actually think that the team is not that good and they're ready to write off the season. I think they wow. are. And if they do that, well, what what else is left for us as fans? It's not like we can do anything about that. We can just sit here, watch as Leverkusen win the league and in the Champions League, maybe we get past Lazio, maybe we don't. But even if we do, I, I, I've been saying this since the first half of the season, it doesn't matter because we will face a half-decent team and we will get rolled because that is what happens whenever Tuchel has faced a decent team. If you say... Uh, I can start straight from Freiburg last season. Freiburg in the Pokal, then Manchester City, then Leipzig in the Super Cup. Then there was, what was there? There was Leipzig again. There was Leverkusen. There was uh, Saarbrücken. It's strange to include Saarbrücken in the list of decent teams, but I'm just bringing this up as like a must-win game that Tuchel could not win. Why do we keep this guy around? What is the point? I know that people think that it could get worse, but I generally don't see how it could get worse because like, it's either the choice between going trophyless or winning something, right? It's There is no risk here that Bayern Munich suddenly crash out of the top four and end up in the Europa League or out of the European spots. We're not that type of team. We are very comfortably in second place. So all we can do now is either go for broke or let the season slip by us. That is what I think the calculus is, but unfortunately, I do not think the bosses are thinking of it that way. It's yet they have been spooked by the Nagelsmann sacking last season, and they have decided that they're going to hang on to Tuchel no matter what happens as a misguided, you know, pivot Attempt towards... to make it right. Yeah, yeah just I a mean... pivot towards stability. As when... I, I don't know why, why stability? Why this insane need to keep a coach when they're not performing it dog does under Nagelsmann and it's happening again under Tuchel what is going on at this institution and look how can Tuchel be the guy that leads us into the next well phase of this team like for example the guy who scored today Josip Sanisic he's a guy that Tuchel deemed surplus to requirements at the beginning of the season and that's why he was sent on loan to Leverkusen. And at the same time, in the winter, we ended up in a situation where we were short of right-back depth, so we had to bring in Sasha Bowie, and Bowie is the same guy who is the one who allowed Stanisic to score the opener. Like, it is so poetic, because yeah, Bowie probably there. would not have even been on the pitch there if Stanisic had not been sent on. In, instead, it might have been Stanisic on the right for us and Matsrawi or Guerrero on the left, if Tuchel knew what he was supposed to be doing. The same goes for pretty much anything you can say about Tuchel's talent evaluation or the evaluation of talent in general on the squad. I know that when Goretzka got subbed off, I keep seeing this on Twitter and on the blog, people saying that I hope that he doesn't play for us ever again. And in the same breath, these same people will go out and say, oh God, why is Muziala playing so poorly? He's just in a rut. Or they will look at Sane and say, Sane just is not informed today. He is not his day. Like, come on, guys, use a bit of logic. If players that you know 
are good, like Muziala and Sane, are struggling in this system, then why can't you make that same allowance for Goretzka? Why is it that some of these players are dismissed as complete bums and some of them are given long, long leashes, despite the fact that there is not much separating their performances? It is almost a weird, I don't know, it's almost like certain sections of the fan base are almost colorblind to the problems. It's like they will only look at names and rather rather than the actual performances on the pitch. I'm not saying that Goretzka didn't deserve criticism for today's performance or some of the performances put in, but the problem is that he's not putting in anything relative to his actual quality that the other players aren't. Because you look at someone like Harry Kane, Harry Kane is completely invisible. If you look at just this game, you will not see a 100 million euro player on the pitch. And based on that, would you say you don't want Harry Kane to ever play for us again? No, you would not, because you know how good he can be. So I don't understand why that allowance can't be made for other players like Leon Goretzka or Joshua Kimmich, who are going through a tough time. I cannot deny that, but a tough time that is created because of the coach and the system they are forced to play under. And a key note about Goretzka, I think he's taken way too much heat this season. I actually think he's been pretty good for the most part. I didn't think he was great today. But he's playing in at a time under a coach who has openly criticized him, who is campaigning to bring in replacements for not only him, but also Joshua Kimmich. I don't know how many people could put themselves in that situation, and no matter what their occupation is, and say, oh, I would perform at the best of my ability if I knew my boss was trying to replace me and openly talk to the media about it. And, and another thing that you said that was very, very interesting is the lack of criticism as it pertains to players like Musial and Sané. Now, Sané had a great Hinronda. He was terrific. He, to me, looks tired. But I cannot discount the fact that we've seen him do this before, right? He has been very mercurial. We have seen him go into the dumps many times, and it is usually for an extended period. We're not talking about a few games. We're talking about weeks or months. And that's where he looks. That's the way he looks to me right now. As for Musiala, I, I think he's gotten a free pass long enough. I mean, I'm looking at a year. I thought he wasn't great with Germany in the World Cup last year. I think he has not been great for Bayern Munich since that point. And I don't understand why fans continue to gloss over the fact that this kid has not produced, has not been consistently good, yet continues to keep other players on the bench because he needs to be out there quite frankly, because the club is living in fear of benching him. I, I'm very confused as to why he doesn't get more criticism. But one other thing that you said to me that, that you said that really struck me as something that we should explore, the board doesn't think the team is, is that good. They don't think they're good. But why is that? Could it be that Tuchel has been openly campaigning to replace half of the team? Okay, I know I'm exaggerating, but many players since he took over. I mean, who hasn't he criticized? Literally, the Licht took the heat, Goretzka took the heat, Kimmich took it. He just benches Muller for no reason whatsoever. This whole thing with Tuchel, it appears to me that what he is saying in the closed-door meetings that they have on Salvinerstrasse, he's having an influence. And should he have that kind of say or influence over the board or squad planning when he can't manage this group of players, which, by the way, is one of the top five most talented rosters on earth. He can't manage them to win a very below average Bundesliga this year. That, what you said, scares me for the future of how this plays out at Bayern Munich for the next two to three years. 
Well, they listened to Tuchel about Stanisic, didn't they? And here we are. Yeah. Right, so, so you're 100 percent right. So so if Tuchel says that he is not satisfied with Kimmich and Goretzka and Muller and Delict and Davies and Matsrawi, etc., then if they listen to him about Stanisic, then why wouldn't they listen to him here? Or if they have decided or realized that Tuchel is completely full of I, I can't say the word because we have to keep this podcast <laughs> PG. But um if they decide that then what is the point of keeping him around? Again, we circle back to that argument. What is the point? Because there is right. no reason that Tuchel needs to be in charge of a rebuild. You can get Flick and you can still kick out whatever players that don't show a reaction in the final two, three months of the season. We not even have half the season left now. It's just a few big games left and that's about it. Just regular Bundesliga stuff. No Pokal games either. And another thing I just need to say is that it's like... There is a genuine lack of consistency and accountability on the Tuchel, which is contributing to the erratic performances of his players. Guys like Muziala and Sane, they can drop a 0 out of 10 disaster class, and they will definitely be on the lineup next game because they are surefire starters. Whereas someone like Goretzka right. or someone like Kimmich or someone like Muller, they always need to be that bit more careful about their position in the team because they don't know what is coming next and that makes them under a lot more pressure to perform now in general i can say that the pressure to perform is something ideal at Bayern Munich but if it is applied in such a haphazard non-standard way as how Tuchel has applied it then it can only lead to erratic performances and general decline as we have seen because it doesn't feel like Muziala is out there trying to prove that he deserves to play every single game. Rather, it's trying. He, he when he puts his head down and he starts dribbling, it feels like he's trying to prove to himself that he can do this. Rather than he's trying to make sure he's as useful to the team as possible. In the end, it feels like sometimes Muziala or Sane they are playing at the expense of the team rather than the, them playing to the team's benefit, despite how good they are. And that comes back from the coach. It is something that the coach needs to address. The coach, it, it's like. He he sets the tone, right? If he right. keeps playing, Muziala and Sane, despite their performances like this, he's effectively telling them, you are not doing anything wrong. I want you to play this way. On the other hand, when he benches someone like Thomas Muller, even after the performance he had last week, which was really good, I thought Muller was the man of the match last week. If he benches him after that, what is Muller supposed to take from that? Is he supposed to decide, I have to perform even better, or I'm just not bringing what the coach wants to the table from and the same goes for Goretzka or Kimmich, who get criticized no matter what to do. If that is the case, then what is left for them? What is the direction that they're supposed to take with their performances? It leads to confusion, it leads to demotivation, and it leads inevitably to talent drain. Because these guys, and Delict as well, who got benched for Eric Dyer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it's just, these guys will leave. These guys will just leave because they can get paid as much as they are getting paid here at any other club, and there are plenty of top teams across the world who are just waiting to pounce on these guys. It's not like Kimmich is going to go to some bum team in the middle of nowhere. If he leaves, he's probably... Like, we already have rumors of Manchester City wanting him. And Manchester City is not a step down from Bayern Munich at this point. No. He might be a step down in prestige, maybe, but not in any other way of shape or form. Competitively, they are ahead of us. The same thing goes for people who talk about Davies in terms of we, we should just get rid of Davies, we should replace him. Like, 
he's wanted by Real Madrid. He's going to be just fine if he leaves. Whereas we're going to be the ones who are stuck with replacing him. If um, Matthias Delic leaves, he can have his pick of top teams across Europe. Whereas what are we going to do? Where are we going to get another center back? <laughs> are we going to get go and get Araujo for another 80 to 100 million? And then we're going to put him under Tuchel and he's going to have these same problems with Araujo again? Then, then what do we do? What is left for us? Right. So at this point, I'm just baffled by the direction the team is taking. And I'm actually just more baffled that it was allowed to get this bad. I, I, previous Bayern Munich boards would have sacked him by now. Would have sacked him back when we lost to Saarbrücken. It just doesn't make any sense. No, you're right. And, and and as someone who's been very vocal about Alfonso Davies and his lack of development and his lack of focus at times, I'm also someone who realizes that it's not the time to let him go for the sake of letting him go. There is much salvageable about him. Whether he wants to make the changes to his game or not, that remains to be seen. But when you look at the options, Bayern Munich should be working to bring him back. They should be working to retain Kimmich. And you made such a great point about players not having to compete. And right now, roughly half of the field players are in a position where they're not competing right now. Upa Meccano and Kim Min Jae are not competing with Delict because Tuchel has banished Delict to the bench. Jamal Musiala, Leroy Zane, they, they also are not competing at this point. There's no threat to their status in the lineup. Harry Kane... Deservedly so is not competing. He's been excellent, but again, so many things you well, said are so has salient. Has Harry he, Kane been excellent? I, I he don't has. Talk about that. I would say for the most part, he has been excellent this season. But where I totally am on board with you is that he's not being used in the best way possible to get the most out of that investment. They bought him to be a striker. Tuchel has him functioning as a central midfielder at times. It makes no sense as to why you would go out, especially after last year when the big gap in the team was having a real striker, then you go out and get perhaps the best striker in the world and try and outsmart everyone once again and use him as something he's not. And I think if he was put in that position, if you had, listen, just using Flick as an example, if you had someone using the tactics of Hansi Flick and how he used Robert Lewandowski, you would get 10 times more more production than you than we're seeing out of Kane right now, because Kane would be the focal point of the attack. Right now, the two players who are the focal point of Bayern Munich's attack are two players who are not great finishers, and that's Leroy Zane and Jamal Musiala. And, and, and it baffles me every game where we watch this, because sometimes, like last week, we saw Kane be more of a hitman, someone who was going to be a target in the box. Today, not so much. And based on that, just based on that, because we see it, Tuchel wanted Harry Kane. Yeah. This is the guy that he wanted. And this is how he uses him. So what makes people think that if he got his pick of players, if he got Declan Rice or Joao Paulini or whoever in the transfer window, that he would be using them right now any better than he is currently using Harry Kane? It, you're, you're right. There, there's no evidence to suggest that anything would be different. Yep. And I guess that's, that's pretty much everything like how can we say any more about this it feels like we're going in circles because you could take our post game from some of our earlier games in this season and just overlay it onto this the only difference is that this week we lost usually we don't lose it's just that rare the thing is that under Tuchel we scraped past most teams all the time and it was getting to a point where 
fans were deluding themselves that they could beat Leverkusen. Yeah, a win is a win. If you scrape past, I think, Augsburg or Mainz <laughs> or Cologne or whatever, how do you expect that performance to end up beating Leverkusen? It's not going to. Please, please actually watch the games and start thinking for yourself about what is actually going on. It's not as rosy as the scoreboard or the bleak table. table paints. It's just not that good. It is not. It is generally like probably one of the worst Bayern Munich teams I've ever seen. So I, I don't know. I, I'm honestly approaching. A, I'm just at a loss of words. Like I'm in despair. My favorite player keeps getting benched. My team keeps losing. We are going to be the laughing stock of the football world after getting Harry Kane and then somehow managing not to win any titles. It is literally, it could not, I mean, it could be worse. Obviously, it obviously could be worse. Marcus is going to laugh at me if I say it could not be worse, but <laughs> it, 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 like, it shouldn't, we're buying Munich. Why should it be like this? It, it shouldn't. And and while my age probably will tell you I've seen worse Bayern Munich teams than this, I won't go as far as you did, but you're 100% validated in feeling the way you are because it shouldn't be like this. It doesn't need to be like this. It's quite simple if you look at it. You have all the talent you need. Just use it properly. Somehow Thomas Tuchel cannot get that through his head and that's where we're at. So we'll wrap this post-game show up. We would love to hear what you guys think about this, not just the match. We want to we want to know what you think about this post-game show too because for the two of us, we're probably coming across as very frustrated. It's because we are. We're being very genuine about how we feel in the moment and we want to know how you feel in the moment as well. Check out our match awards. Check out I Need No Name's initial analysis as well as what he does with the live blog. He wraps it up very nicely. Check out our observations and all of the reactions that we have on BavarianFootballWorks.com. You can always get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Tom Adams at TommyAdam71. You can get Siler at CYL3R. Get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Check out everything we have on the match. You won't be disappointed. Most importantly, we want to hear from you. We want your voice telling us how you feel because we've just spent about 40 minutes telling you how frustrated we are. Thanks for listening to this. Stick with us. It will get better, we hope. Uh, we will see you next time. Yep. Good night.